This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. To Kidley Wright from the logo. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I am really, really excited for today's show because I have two fun topics to talk about. Uh, if you guys are members of the DNVR at the DNVR.com or members of DNVR, it's weird that there's the the and the URL, but not in the name. But uh, yeah, if you guys are members, you probably saw that I dropped my receivers depth chart for Colorado. Uh, going into this season and it was tough you know those first two I think are pretty locked in but there's probably seven eight maybe nine guys who could potentially win that number three job if you look all the way down to guys like Brendan Rice like Keith Miller Um, so we're going to be talking about that today and talking about what I think this coaching staff will value from receivers just based on what we've seen from similar offenses uh, that have had success playing this style of football. Um, pretty excited to dig into all of that. Um, and also, today is Tuesday, and that means it's time for my DraftKings pick of the week. So we'll get to that later. We're going to be talking about the golf match this weekend with Phil Mickelson teaming up with Tom Brady and Tiger Woods teaming up with Peyton Manning. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and it's going to be uh, pretty profitable too, I think, if you guys listen to me. At least I hope, uh, because I'm 1-1 right now, and 2-1 is a whole lot better than 1-2 as I discover whether I actually know what I'm talking about when it comes to betting. So, before we jump into these receivers, I want to tell you just a little bit more about Manscaped. If you guys are frequent listeners 
of this podcast, then you guys know how much Manscaped means to me and how much I appreciate everything they've done for me. You know, there have been some missteps along the way. I've used that on my legs, and now my leg hair is just finally now, two months later, getting to the length that I had anticipated when I trimmed it. Um, or the haircuts, all that kind of stuff. Just this lawnmower 3.0 is incredible. It can do anything you want it to do, and it's really just up to you to make good decisions with it, just like a pair of scissors, I guess. But uh, I really cannot recommend it enough. It is so easy to use, so convenient. The LED light is actually a game changer. You wouldn't expect it. I know when people were telling me that it is. A, a revelation that I didn't, I, I, I didn't think that that made any sense at all. You know, I'm not in the dark needing that, but it actually does make things a lot easier. Um, so many different products, you know, the, the ball deodorant has become a staple for pretty much everybody I've talked to at DNVR. It's incredible how well that stuff works. Um, I've never just taken a stick of deodorant and tried it on different parts of my body. I don't, anticipate that it would work as well as the ball deodorant they craft specifically for that purpose does. Um, but you know, that's the only way I, I think that you could even come close to that type of performance. And I don't think that would work. Uh, so yeah, check out Manscaped, go to manscaped.com, use the code DNVR20. That will get you free shipping and 20% off your purchase. Check it out. At least look at what they have. Um, I know that as soon as I run out of products, I will be right back there with you using that code and loading back up again. Okay. Uh, receivers. This might turn into a KD Nixon tirade. Um, I'm going to try to avoid it because it's kind of what happened to my story yesterday. Um, but I really think that he is about to go off. And here's why. Let's let's start with what I think these coaches will value. And I think that the number one thing they're looking for out of their receivers is going to be versatility. And the reason is that you kind of see the mold that has worked for teams in the NFL that have run these heavy set West Coast offenses and, and have very potent attacks offensively. You know, just because I knew I was talking about this on the podcast today, I went back and watched uh, the Ravens game against the 49ers uh, last night because those are two teams that just run this style of offense perfectly. You know, the Ravens offense, in a dream world, that is what the Buffs offense turns into. Brendan Lewis becomes the Lamar Jackson, and you work everything around that mismatch that's created by the fact that your quarterback can run the football. And there are a bunch of other pieces from the offensive line to the, the, the sorts of tight ends they use to the receivers and the running backs that fit. But today we're talking about the receivers. And these receivers and these offenses, when you look at the 49ers, when you look at the Ravens, you know, you could throw the Los Angeles Rams in there too. Um, and, you know, I, I like to use these NFL examples because things just get so weird in the college game. There's so many different little quirks and pieces. And then when you look at the NFL level, it usually is a very pure version of a scheme. You know, the, the Kyle Shanahan West Coast offense is a very pure version of a modern West Coast offense. You know, there's the tweaks with the option mixed in, but typically you see the innovations at the top and trickle down. Now there's have some, some, some differences. You know, you see the RPOs more in the college game and how they transition to the pro level and work their way up. Um, but I do think that it's useful to look at the NFL 
ways to, to run these offenses just because it is so professional. It's so clean. It all just fits together the way it's supposed to. There's just less chaos and it's more predictable. So you can see in a more controlled environment almost what happens when you run this offense. Uh, but yeah, so let's let's talk about the Ravens, the 49ers, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. You know, the Rams have kind of fallen off. Their offense isn't at the same level as those other two teams, but they went to the Super Bowl with that West Coast offense built around Todd Gurley running the football and then with these speedy receivers outside. And that's what you see uh, for all of these teams. Um, you know, Marquise Brown was a first round pick last year for the Ravens. Uh, they they just have these undersized speed guys who can take jet sweeps. They can motion in the backfield and carry the balls running backs. Um, they can be deep threats. And what you really want is for them to be good route runners too, so that you can't sit off them at the line of scrimmage without getting punished on those short routes and get some easy completions for your quarterback. Because especially with a young quarterback like Brendan Lewis, having a fast receiver is nice, but to make a defense respect his speed, they still have to respect the quarterback's arm and his ability to hit him 40 yards downfield. And there's a good chance that as an 18-year-old, Brendan Lewis isn't ready to do that. Uh, we're also kind of making the assumption today that Brendan Lewis is the quarterback just because he fits that sort of offense better. And you know what? If he's not uh, the quarterback now, I think he probably will be next year or the year after. And the coaching staff knows that as well and will kind of be moving the offense in that direction. Okay, uh, so the versatility, um, finally coming back around to it. You see it with guys like, let's take Marquise Brown, who I brought up. Um, very small, very fast, very quick. Um, you, you like seeing him on jet sweeps. You know if you put the ball in his hands, he has the ability to make guys miss and pick up yards after he has the ball in his hands. That's not something that you always get from a speedy receiver, and it's important to note that that is its own trait and not just part of being fast. You know, you have to have that wiggle. You have to have the jukes. You have to have some sort of ability to make a, a defender miss for that speed to really come into play, unless, I mean, obviously, there's just open field in front of you, which is rare. So... When you look at a Katie Nixon kind of in that mold and, you know, there, there are some differences. The size is fairly similar. I think Marquise Brown may even be a little bit taller, but not quite as heavy. Uh, Katie actually tweeted a couple days ago that he's feeling healthy. He's up to 183 pounds and he says he's running in the four threes with the 40 time if he's running the four threes then he's going to be a draft pick next year um or, or at least he'd be on pace at this point right now he's probably uh, we've talked about this before but right around prospect 300 when about 250 guys get drafted so he does have to work his way up a little bit but in the grand scheme of things that's not a huge jump to make in one season especially when you look at his production you know he had 650 yards as a sophomore down under 500 yards as a junior and now he's coming back for his senior season and I, I I think that there is a chance that he is an 1100 yard receiver uh this season um it isn't the most likely outcome but with where his game is at and the opportunities he'll be given uh, I think that's very much on the table so with KD, when you look at him and his fit in this offense, you like a lot of things. He is fast. 
He may not have that elite speed, um, that that freakish speed, but he is going to be faster than a lot of the cornerbacks he goes up against. Uh, you like the route running, and again, he isn't perfectly refined in the way he runs his routes. There's plenty of room for improvement. An NFL receivers coach uh, like Carl Durrell will probably notice some flaws in his game, um, and that's fair. You know, you don't see a lot of super polished receivers at the college level anyway. KD is in very good shape in that regard, but still room to improve. Um, in terms of playing with the ball in his hands, that's somewhere where I would have liked to have seen him do more last year. I, I think that there were more opportunities for him to make guys miss, to to fight for extra yards, uh, to make sure he's pulling everything he can out of every touch. He has the traits, he has the quickness, he has the speed, he has the build, um, he's pretty physical, considering he's listed at five foot eight and he's likely closer to five six, five seven. But you need to see him take a step forward if this season is going to be what it could be for him. Whether that means, you know, if, if he was running in the four fours before and has cut that down to four three, that could be a big enough change. Uh, if he can get just a little bit quicker, if his routes are more refined, I think that those would all be huge for him. Um, and any one of those things could be the difference between him going for another 650 or 700 yard season and going for 900 yards. And if he gets two of those or all three of those, that's when you start looking at that true alpha on this offense, a guy who your offense is almost built around I think and I wrote this yesterday but I think that KD is a lock to be one of your top two offensive weapons uh, the question is whether he's number one or whether Alex Fontenot or Ashad Clayton I think are the two favorites to take that number one spot away from him to to be that focal point the guy that defenses are really worried about when they're game planning um KD uh, uh, is is more than capable of making that leap. And again, it's just showing a little bit more burst. And it's also true that the last couple of years, the Buffs have been manufacturing a lot of touches for Visca. And, and honestly, they manufactured more touches for KD uh, as a sophomore than they did as a junior. So you would expect to see him get more of those easy opportunities. Ball in his hands, his eyes are upfield, he gets to see everything that's coming. He doesn't have to look back at the quarterback, catch the ball, and then turn his head and look upfield and see what's coming. You're putting him in more controlled situations with those screens, with those jet sweeps, and giving him better odds to make somebody miss and take advantage of whatever defenders lined up across from him. And, and that makes me feel really good about, about who he is as a player because, you know, we still saw a little wiggle. We still liked him as a, as a ball carrier last year. It's just that I think a lot of it is he didn't get too many opportunities. A lot of it was him running routes downfield, um, 10 yards, 15 yards, and on those you watch the ball in. And as the ball is flying there, the defense is reacting, and they're closing, they're, they're gaining ground, and you don't know where the defenders are until after you've caught the ball and then turned your head 180 degrees upfield, and a lot of the time there's somebody just right there. And so I think that that's going to be big for KDE. One of my big questions for him is whether he will be playing in the wildcat this year. You know, I do think he's taking the majority of those manufactured touches that Visca had. Um, th there is a chance that, you know, a Dimitri Stanley, and we'll talk more about him later, that a Dimitri Stanley could be getting some of those as well. But 
KD really has to be the favorite. Um, some some thoughts I'm having about KD in the Wildcat, and and I wrote this a little bit yesterday. I've I've talked about it a lot at the DNVR Lounge. I think a few weeks ago we talked about this. Um, and you guys can join. If you guys are DNVR members, there's links all over the website to join the DNVR Lounge. Uh, it's basically a Discord server, chat with Buffs fans, chat with Broncos fans, chat with whoever. There's like music channels, there's gaming channels, and it's just the whole DNVR family hanging out all day, really. I just have, actually haven't gotten any notifications since I started this, which is weird. But uh, I was talking about how when Visca is running that wildcat, it really, really looks like all of his decisions were predetermined, you know, which means he really wasn't making decisions. The coaches told him what to do. You know, they throw somebody in a jet sweep motion um, and he'd fake the handoff on the jet sweep to KD and then he'd just plow ahead. I don't think that that was a read. I don't think the coaching staff said, okay, the, the, you do this just like a quarterback would. You've looked to your left, you watch that defensive end. If he closes, he runs down the line of scrimmage, he's trying to cut you off, beat you to the hole, uh, then, then you hand the ball off and let your jet sweep run out around him. Um, and if he sits back defending the jet sweep, then you beat him that hole and you get upfield. I don't think that he was making those decisions. I don't think the coaches want to put that on his plate because when you put Visca in the Wildcat in third and two, third and three, or near the goal line, you're just going to win. They didn't need to have that extra advantage. And by by forcing that defensive end to make a decision, the difference is with the read option, you're leaving that player unblocked. You're you're letting him do what he wants to do, and then Visca is reacting to it. If it's not an option, then he is blocked because you don't want him just to run down and catch Visca. So you get that numbers of advantage when you turn it into an option that you don't get when it's just predetermined. And I think because Visca was so good at running that wildcat, they didn't have to make that uh, an, an option play. They didn't need that a numbers advantage to, to pick up a first down, to get the ball into the end zone. And that's kind of the question now with KD. Is he that explosive? Is he that level of player that he will get you plus plays even if you don't give him that numbers advantage? And a lot of that isn't on KD. You know, there's the offensive line too. There's the play design with the play callers and, you know, play calling and a whole bunch of different pieces. But... A lot of it does boil down to, is KD explosive enough to not have to run this as an option, or do we trust him to make the right read? And you know, I obviously haven't seen KD run the option before. I can't say whether that's something he's good at, whether he isn't. He likely doesn't have much experience, and, and if you make the wrong read, essentially the play is just done. If you make the wrong read in an option, somebody's getting blown up. It's probably a 2-3 yard loss, and that's the risk. Um, at the same time, obviously you get that numbers advantage. It wasn't worth it with Visca because he was so good on his own. And that's really that balance for KD is, is he explosive enough that we don't need to give him the numbers advantage? Is he a good enough decision maker that we can give him the numbers advantage? Or do we just say, no, this wildcat isn't going to work? Uh, and that's kind of where I stand there at this point. I do think that if it all went well, that could be a very explosive package um, and something that really when 
when Visca was on the field in the Wildcat these last couple of years, it, it turned into a must-watch play. And obviously for me, like, we watch every play, but a casual football fan, you, you sit there, you're on your phone, you might miss something here or there. When Visca's in the Wildcat, that's something you sit up for and tune into because something special happens so often. I think that a KD Nixon in the Wildcat package obviously doesn't have quite the same upside, but I do think that it would be one of the more exciting packages that the Buffs would have and something that Buffs fans would really like because I do think that it would be effective if I had to make my guess right now. Um, but again, what you're seeing with KD is that he does a lot of things well. If you want him to stretch the field, you can put him outside and have him run straight down the field and he might get open, he might not. At the very least, he's taking the top off the defense. Uh, you can ask him to do the same thing from the seam, take advantage of cover three, whatever you want. See if you can get matched up with a linebacker. You can put him in the backfield, play him at some running back. Um, I don't think that's as likely now, which is too bad for KD. Uh, and that's probably a topic for another day, but I think KD is kind of hurt by how talented this group of running backs is because I think that you know, you look at a guy like Lynn Bowden from Kentucky, who's a receiver, he's a running back, he even played some quarterback in the Wildcat. I think there's some differences between him and KD Nixon, but that's the type of role that KD fits best into at the NFL level. You know, the NFL teams are more willing than ever to take on undersized players, but they really do have to be the gadget type guy or have freakish speed or insane production. And and KD fits really well into that utility guy role, like that Lynn Bowden role. But I don't know that you can give him too many opportunities at running back just because you already have Alex Fontenot, Ashad Clayton. And when NFL scouts look at that, Good scouts will say, hey, we think he can do it. We haven't seen it, so we have to give him a little knock, but we think he can do it. And bad scouts will say, well, he isn't doing it. So there you go. There's a there's a big knock. Um, I wanted to get that out there too. Uh, but yeah, so you look at the versatility though. He has the route running to punish you short and he'll punish you in the mid-range routes too. He has the speed to beat you deep. Uh, you can motion him into the backfield and have him play running back and essentially force the defense to bring a cornerback into the box with him. Um, and, you know, you can run the Wildcat. You could run him on these jet sweeps. Those, those motions are so valuable in this offense that even just having him on that fake jet sweep and running the ball back the other way, that'll hold the defense and give Alex Fonno or Shad Clayton or even Brendan Lewis an, an extra split second to make it to the edge of the defense and see if they can cut it upfield. That's why KD is so important to this offense because he's such a good fit because that type of versatility, being able to move him all around the formation, being asked him to do multiple things from most of the most of the different places that you can put him in the formation, that's really what you're looking for in one of these modern West Coast offenses where you're bringing in these gadgety type guys and uh you know Dimitri Stanley fits that mold pretty well too. You know, he's a little bit bigger, more of a slot technician I think more of a I don't know maybe even you'd call him more of like a speed slot a hybrid I mean I, and I wrote this yesterday I guess you, you don't know whether he's going to come back faster whether he's going to come back with better footwork whether he's going to come back quicker or maybe he's put on 
10 pounds or maybe he's grown two inches and we haven't heard about it you know with with these young players because he was a true freshman last year it is really hard to project what they're going to be in their second year because you typically do see a big jump um, from the player and I expect to see a big jump from Dimitri Stanley uh, even though he was their fourth receiver last year he put up I think over 300 yards close to 30 catches he had a very very good true freshman year expecting a big jump in year two I think is reasonable. The question is, what is the jump? Is he bigger? Is he faster? Is he stronger? Is he quicker? Is he by route runner? Do you like him better on the jet sweeps? Is he seeing the field better as a ball carrier? Are his hands better? Um, he made some great catches last year, though, so that'd be a surprise. But maybe he does take that step, and, and that is possible. Maybe we've moved on from, wow, that was a nice one-handed catch behind him to... Oh, wow. He just high pointed that contested ball with one hand and brought it down. You know, it's unlikely, but that's the type of player that I think he could develop into. Um, You know, kind of see him in that Odell Beckham type role that kind of under six foot slot receiver, but has that great athleticism um, that, that makes him feel a little bit bigger. I think that that type of player is on the table for Dimitri Stanley. What I really like about Dimitri specifically in this offense, um, really it's two things. And again, this is going to be the theme when we talk about receivers, versatility. The first thing he does well, you like the speed. Um, you, you know that if you put him in the slot, which is where I think he fits best, um, and I, I would like to see KD in there some too, just because the matchups would make a lot of sense for him, keeping him close to the formation, quicker on those jet sweeps. That is also good for KD. But uh, the with Dimitri in the slot, he isn't just the, the, the pure technician, you know, the Wes Welker type who has the footwork and the senses and f- feel for zone coverage and all those different things that help him just find open spaces underneath. You know, Dimitri Stanley can get that separation through a lot of those ways, but he's also really fast. And that means that if you line him up in the slot there's a single high safety. You can fly him up those seams and he should be able to find some gap somewhere in there. Um, and, and because defenses are going to have to respect it, they're going to have to keep somebody over top of that. And Dimitri Stanley is a good enough route runner that he can punish him on the short routes. You know, he can take a quick slant, uh, use the cushion that the defense gives him and, uh, catch a ball and maybe go make a play after. And again, that's another area where you want to see Dimitri Stanley take a step. Um, that explosiveness, explosiveness with the ball in his hands um, is something that would make him much more dynamic. Uh, that's that's what makes teams not just say, ah, I'm, I'm disappointed we gave up five yards on that slant route, but at least we we made sure we weren't going to let him get behind us. You know, that's that's the thought. Now, you want to turn that into, well, we have to keep somebody short because otherwise he's going to catch this five-yard slant and then he's going to take in another 10, 15 yards because he's just that good of an athlete. It's on the table. It's very much on the table. Um, but what is what is he right now, Dimitri Stanley? We just don't really know because it's been so long since he had a football season and... Uh, He's coming off his true freshman year. So 
he's going to be a lot of fun. I think he's got to be the number two. Um, if I, I think Katie Nixon is in ink as the number one receiver, I've got uh, Dimitri Stanley penciled in pretty heavy at number two. Um, again, because he's a good fit, because he's one of those undersized speed guys who has some other skills that you can do things with in this offense. Behind these two, things get wide open. And we're going to get into that after I tell you about our awesome friends over at MSU Denver Online. Really cannot recommend them enough. There are so many reasons why somebody would want to start taking online college courses. Uh, whether you're trying to advance yourself in your career field, whether you're trying to change career fields, um, whether you're just curious in one of the classes and have some free time like a lot of us do right now. MSU Denver Online is a great a great choice for an online school. They, they have over 40 online programs that will give you degrees. They have over 750 online courses. So you have options if you decide to jump into one of these programs. There's so many different things you can do. Um, just cannot recommend them enough. Uh, so go to msudenver.com slash online and it will take you uh, to all of the information you could possibly want about all these online courses. And again, really recommend them and hope you guys check it out. Also, Breckenridge Brewery, have to give them a shout out. Uh, there's so many great products. The 15 can sampler is the go-to just because it gives you the variety. It's three beers of five different kinds of beer. Um, Hot Peak IPA, the Avalanche, the Strawberry Sky is in there now. So many good beers. It's a great chance to try them all. And once you do, you're not going to be able to go back to any other beer. Um, again, just cannot recommend them enough. Also, if you're uh, looking for some takeout, some delivery during this quarantine, the farmhouse at Breckenridge Brewery is a great choice. And not just because you can use the code DNVR to save $5 on your meal, DNVR, uh, but also because the food's really good. The prices are great already. They'll, they can deliver alcohol to you as well. And they have a bunch of specials. So just check in there. That's, that's what I do. I like to just check in every day, every other day, and just make sure I'm not missing any specials um, that I don't want to miss. Sometimes there'll be a free six pack. There's all sorts of different stuff. Just stay tuned to the Breckenridge Brewery website. They'll keep you all hooked up. All right. This is where things get tough. Um, we're already 30 minutes into this podcast, which was, was not the plan, but, uh, I really just like Katie's game and I'm really excited to see what he can do. And so I had to dig in. Um, let's just run through it. Uh, my number three is Vontae Chenault. And this was a really tough decision because, you know, I, I had it Vontae Chenault and then Maurice Bell, then Daniel Arias, and then Jalen Jackson. That group of four receivers could end in any order any order at all. Uh, behind them, um, I, I had a group of three with Brendan Rice, Keith Miller the third. those two are true freshmen, and uh, Curtis Cheverini, the son of uh, Darren Cheverini, who I think will fit better in the slot. Maybe once KD's gone, he can find a gap. Um, we'll kind of see how that shakes out. Um, but he, any of those three would have to take some more significant steps, I would say, than the first four listed. But again, I think they are very much in the hunt for the number three spot or 
maybe more likely to be that number four, number five receiver early. You know, last year, Demetri Stanley was the number four. Maybe Brendan Rice as a true freshman this year can be the number four. Uh, Keith Miller, too. That's just the order. Vontae Chenault, Maurice Bell, Daniel Arias, Jalen Jackson, Rice Miller, Chev. Let's start talking about Vontae because he was my number three. He is not like Visca. And I was able to avoid bringing up Visca in relation to Vontae during the story, which is something that I try to, you know, don't just tie him to his brother. Uh, and not just because, like, you don't want to make him feel like the little brother of a superstar, which he is. And that's something that he has to deal with on his own life. We don't have to make it harder for him, but, uh, also because they're very different players. Um, Visca is probably 30 pounds, 40 pounds heavier than Vontae. He's probably, ah, they might be about the same height. Visca may have him by a little bit, but actually Vontae, I, I, I bet they're pretty close in height. Um, Vontae's listed 6'2", for what that means to you. He's listed at 190 at the moment, I believe. Um, but again, he could come back heavier after all this, putting on some muscle. Why I like him as a number three is because he brings a little bit of size to this offense, but without sacrificing anything else. Um, and it's not like he's bringing spectacular size, but it is a bit of a different look, and he is a very prototypical receiver in that, you know, 6'2", 190, he'll probably be up to 195, I guess. He's a good route runner. He's above average speed. He has good speed. He seems to have good hands. We we didn't see much of him last year, and so a lot of the analysis has to come from the high school tape. But these are kind of the things we know about Vontae. And if he's the number three receiver, that means he's seeing the field when you already have uh, Dimitri Stanley on the field and KD Nixon on the field. I would say Dimitri Stanley is your number one slot receiver. KD's your number two slot receiver. And I'd probably go like maybe Jalen Jackson as your number three, just have a speed slot. That's a ways down there though. And likely not something that we're going to have to worry about this season. Uh, knock on wood. And Vonte isn't somebody who you're thinking, oh, We'd like to get him in this slot, um, but he could do it. And, you know, I, I think that he is explosive enough with the ball in his hands, and he's a good enough route runner, and he's fast enough, and he just has all of these skills. And because I really think that this coaching staff is going to value versatility because we've seen how that versatility plays in similar offenses, I think that that's going to play into Vontae Chenault's favor. You know, Daniel Arias, I had him as my, I guess, number five receiver, he could definitely take this job. And it's about time for him to take a jump, really. I think the big question there is, what does he bring outside of being really, really big? Um, you love him in jump ball situations. You love him in the red zone. And I think that even if he does wind up being the, you know, I have a number five receiver, there's there's a good chance you'll still see him in packages, especially when you are close to the goal line, um, when you need to convert a third down. Um, he brings you some upside there. And, and that's kind of the case with a lot of these guys. You know, you have Jalen Jackson, who's super fast. But because I don't think this coaching staff will value those kind of one-trick ponies at this point, this is how I have the order shaking out with Jalen Jackson as the, what, sixth receiver, um, just because until we see them add more to their game, 
I think this is where they sit. You know, Daniel Arias, his best path in this offense, he's going into his junior year, by the way, is going to be if if he can maybe even put on a couple more pounds and play a little bit of tight end. You know, the, the Buffs tight end situation is kind of scary at the moment. You know, you're happy with Brady Russell as your number one, um, but with the injury to Poplowski, with Legend Brumbaugh, I believe still in the transfer portal, um, who exactly is going to be on the field is a question. And so if Daniel Arias could be a very athletic tight end, mostly a receiver as a tight end, um, I think that he could get some reps there. Obviously, he'd still be listed as a receiver. He'd still be playing primarily a receiver position. But if he can add those tight end skills, then he becomes this flexible chess piece in the way that KD is. That Because you can put him in the Wildcat. You can give him the ball in jet sweeps. You can run him deep. You can have him run shorter routes. He can do all those different things. With Arias, then all of a sudden, you like him as a deep threat downfield. Um, but you also like flexing him into tight end because... Or let's not even say that. Let's say you like him because of the matchups he brings. So if the defense sees he's on the field and says, okay, to account for that, we need a cornerback on him, then if you can flex him into tight end and use him as a blocker, you've just added a favorable matchup to your offense. Daniel Arias on a cornerback. So what would the defense do to combat that? They would put a linebacker on him or maybe a safety. And... In that case, you know, if it's a linebacker, you want to flex him out wide and have him run downfield and outrun him. And so you become, he he has this, this chess piece sort of ability that, that makes him much more useful to Carl Durrell and Darren Cheverini than somebody who you kind of know what they're doing. And I think that that's going to be the crux of this offense. And I keep coming back to it. And same thing, Jalen Jackson, a lot of the same things we're talking about, Dimitri Stanley. You, you like the speed. You like the idea of lining him up in the slot and having him just abuse the seam. But what else does he give you? Do, do you like him with the ball in his hands enough to be giving him a jet sweep instead of handing the ball off to Ashad Clayton? You know, the the jet sweep, you have a little bit more leverage, but at the same time, Ashad Clayton is probably still better with the ball in his hands. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely better with the ball in his hands. Um, he's better with the ball in his hands than even KD, any of these receivers, because that's his job. That's what he does is get the ball in his hands and make the most of it. Um, but because that jet sweep gives you leverage, if Jalen Jackson can just improve as a ball carrier enough to make that speed really scary for defenses because they have to account for it not just deep but also close to the last scrimmage then he becomes a weapon in that way uh and and that's what you see there you know brendan rice to me looks a lot like a a vante chenault i think he fits that role very similarly um kershaverini a slot keith miller maybe a little bit bigger but not arius big this is kind of how I see it shaking out. Um, there are a lot of different ways things could go. And, you know, if if Jalen Jackson does come back with quicker feet or better vision as a ball carrier, uh, or, you know, maybe even just improving the route running is enough, uh, being able to take advantage of those digs 10, 15 yards when, you, when the uh, defender's still sitting back off you because they're scared to get beat deep. If he can... Cut sharply enough. If he's added that to his game, then that could work. Um, so this has been kind of what I've seen from the receivers. Uh, oh wow, 
And that's uh, an email. Seal Barry is retiring. I just got the email. Um, congratulations to her, of course. Uh, Buffs legend. Um, huh. Interesting. So that's a, the, that, that's the kind of stuff that just kind of catches you off guard an email like that. Okay. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps up the receivers. Um, and the big point here is that I really do think that in this offense, uh, it's, it's all about that versatility and being able to be used as a chess piece, being able to be used two or ideally three different ways. You know, that's why Visca is a matchup nightmare because you're scared of him beating you deep. You're scared of him beating you short. So you got to double him. You got to leave somebody over the top. You have to leave somebody short. Um, and then you get into all the other things you can do. There isn't a Visca type talent on this team, um, or at least there doesn't appear to be. So maybe having two or three guys who can do two things will be better than having one guy who can do everything and a couple guys who are good at what they do. Um, and that's got to be the hope for this receiving core this year. And again, if Daniel Arias takes a step or if he adds what I was describing to his game, Jalen Jackson does the same thing. Vontae Chenault's ready. Maurice Bell, we've barely even talked about, but I had him as my, my, uh, number four, uh, very high ceiling, but also not much proven behind Katie Nixon, who had a down year last year statistically. Um, I'm not worried about it, though. I, I, I do think that this is going to be big for him. And uh, Dimitri Stanley, who I'm excited about, and we'll see what he turns into. Okay, um, before we get into my DraftKings pick of the week, I would like to tell you guys about the world golf tour that took me a while uh if you guys haven't been playing with us then uh, you're missing out it's been a lot of fun it is free to play um so you can join our country club play in all of the dnvr tournaments um so those are subscribers only every sunday or not subscribers only the i don't even know what you call it the people the country club members only every sunday there's a tournament plus they're like battles with other country clubs if you want to get in on that um this week this week was just like a closest to the hole competition. There are nine holes, you get one shot per hole, and you just put the ball as close as you can to uh, the pin. And it just adds up your distance. Plus then if you're in the water, there's like a 30-foot penalty. If you're in the sand, then there's like a 20-foot penalty. If you're in the rough, then there's like a temp, something, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a lot of fun. The only problem is that I'm actually kind of bad at it, and... The winner was like AZ Wildcats 177 something or something like that. And as buffs people, we can't let that happen. I'm not good enough to stop them. And so we really need some support from you guys. I've seen Silver Buff in there a lot. Uh, appreciate that. Um, I haven't noticed any other names. Maybe that's just because Silver Buff was actually up on the leaderboard once. But uh, yeah, hopefully you guys jump in. Go to dnvrgolf.com. It'll get you all set up. Um, again, World Golf Tour, the most popular golf game in the world. Um, really incredible. Really incredible. Lucky to have them. Hopefully you start playing with us. Speaking of golf, getting into this final segment, uh, the DraftKings pick of the week. We're talking Tiger and Peyton against Phil and Tom. And I'm really excited for this one. You know, I was watching the, the golf this weekend, which was... Uh, Matthew Wolf and Ricky Fowler against Rory McIlroy and 
Oh, oh, it was uh, Dustin Johnson, and it was a whole lot of fun. It was super competitive all the way down the end. There's just like $350,000 riding on a putt, and all of this money is going to the coronavirus relief or research or all that kind of stuff. And so it isn't necessarily 350 grand in these guys' pockets, but still, when you're standing over a $350,000 10-foot putt, that's just the feeling that I couldn't even imagine. And the same thing's going to be going on this weekend. I think they're saying that they're expecting to raise, I, th I think they said at least, at the very minimum, they'll raise $10 million uh, for COVID relief, whatever they're specifically calling it. Um, again, watching last week was going to be fun, and now you've basically turned Rory McIlroy the, the, the most fun golfer of his generation, the, the best golfer of his generation, I think you could probably say. Depend, I guess it depends on how tightly you're cutting these generations off. But uh, you're kind of upgrading him to Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson to Phil, and then Ricky Fowler. And the, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys are watching, and hopefully you guys are betting too because I have some ideas. Um, here's some information that I think is going to be useful. Phil Mickelson just moved to Florida where they're playing. Um, the, the, it's called the medalist is the course. Um, he just moved down there, but tiger has been living there forever. Obviously Tom just moved down there too, um, because he's playing for the bucks and Peyton lives in Denver. So there is a bit of a home course advantage for tiger having been that he's always lived or he's lived in South Florida forever. Um, and he didn't just move there like four months ago, like Phil did from California. Specifically, uh, what I like is that Phil has never played this course before. He has never played it. And we saw last weekend that that was a big deal. Um, you know, the commentators were talking about it, but those guys could not hit their putts. They saw what was out there and would hit, they would read the break the wrong way. And they were very tough greens and they kept saying they were tough greens and I believe them. Um, don't know how the medalist compares in that way. But what we do know is that Phil Mickelson will be playing that course for the first time. Meanwhile, that is Tiger Woods's home course. When he's going out for a casual round of golf, that's where he's playing. There are no caddies. There's there's nobody out there giving advice. I think they actually said like Tom is caddying for Phil and Phil's caddying for Tom. There's like carrying each other's clubs. We don't need to go down that road. But uh, I think that's a huge advantage for Tiger, especially considering that Phil is known for his short game. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. It's about the chipping. It's about the putting. Um, and he's going to be at this disadvantage to his strength. Uh, so I, I really do think that Tiger and Peyton have a very significant advantage there. The problem though, is that Tiger and Peyton are favored at minus 225. So basically for those of you who don't bet a lot, you bet $225, you win $100. Meanwhile, you bet $100 on Phil and Tom Brady, you win 180. They're plus 180. Um, those aren't great odds. That probably isn't a bet worth making, even though I do think that's what's going to happen. So what I would really look at is the props, you know, stuff like the first to go up. There's a little more risk there um, just because it is a little bit flukier. Uh, you would expect to see Tiger start hot because it is his home course. He knows what to expect. You know, the, that, that first green may be the toughest to read for Phil. Um, 
at the same time, I do kind of like the back nine odds right now. Um, right now, the whole 10 through 18 winner, you can take Tiger and Peyton at minus 110, bet 110 bucks, win $100. So that that looks like the money to me based on what I'm seeing here. But I would also be paying attention to uh, the the whole props. Uh, and you guys can see all of this for yourself at the, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, but for example, hole three is the longest tee shot prop. You can bet on Tiger Woods or Phil. Tiger's the favorite, but that's because he hits the ball a lot farther consistently. And so if you watch the first, I don't know, the odds are going to change if, if Tiger's bombing it past Phil in the first couple holes, but maybe that means that you should be jumping on this now. I, I do think that jumping on that hole three, Tiger minus 134, you got to feel good about that. Um, and then just pay attention while you're watching uh, to, to what's happening with Tom and Peyton. Because they're right now they're hole props on four different holes. Um, one, three, four, and eight. There will be more added. Um, the lines are going to be changing, of course, as we watch. There will be live betting, too, which is going to be really fun. Um, weird stuff going on. Like in, on hole five, everybody is going to be using one club. And so we don't know... Actually, at least I haven't been able to find anywhere um, if they've said what exactly that means, whether each player gets to pick one club to play the whole hole with, um, whether everybody has to use their seven iron, you know, something like that. What I would say, though, is that if the odds are pretty close to even, taking Phil to win that hole is a pretty good bet. Again, he's the he's the crafty guy. Tiger may have, like, the heart like he he's always at his best in the big moments but for a random hole five who can get it from the tee to the cup using one club that I mean that just seems like Phil Mickelson you know he's doing all the backward stuff he's doing all the crazy chip shots he he, he knows how to play that game um and and I think that if the odds are pretty close to even that's where I'd go there um let's just run through some more of these that I think could be interesting um all those leader after X holes, uh, you you pick the hole and you say uh, Tiger and Phil or Tiger and Peyton are ahead. Uh, again, I, I really think that they're going to be winning this, and so maybe saying leader after twelve holes at minus one seventy five. Oh, actually, you can take them. There are different ways to do it. Whether you want to include the tie or whether the tie is a push. If you say uh, they win straight up. Uh, it isn't a tie. You don't get your money back for tie. It's minus 120 um, that Tiger and Peyton are ahead after 12 holes. I really like that. Um, I, I like that a lot better than the after 18, you know, winning at minus 225. Uh, at the same time, winning on the back. I, I, I think that breaking up Tiger and Peyton winning into smaller pieces is probably how you're going to make the most money here. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of fun props, hole-in-ones. You can win a bunch of money. <laughs> um, you can, uh, since it's match play, you can pick which hole the match is won on, um, which I, I actually think that that could be a decent bet. Um, betting on this one to end early could uh, win some money because... Tiger and Phil should be competitive. You know, Tiger has that advantage, um, and and that is going to play a factor just because the the skill level between the two is so close. 
but at the same time, Peyton and Tiger or Peyton and Tom, maybe they are very similar golfers or more realistically, even if they're both, if one's a five handicap and one's a seven handicap, that difference is going to be a lot wider than the difference between Tiger and Phil. And, uh, that would likely mean that one side is going to win a little more quickly. And also knowing that Tiger and Phil each are getting up there in age and as both have aged, they've become streakier players. Um, for Phil, there's, there's some benefit in this because typically he's, he's the type who has like three pars, the rest or, or like three birdies, like the rest pars, maybe one bogey and then one like quadruple bogey, but because it's match play, it's just who wins the hole. Um, those blow up holes from Phil won't come into effect. So that's worth keeping in mind as well. Um, I think we've pretty much hit everything that I wanted to touch on though. So yeah, uh, hopefully you guys are watching that too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Oh, and before I forget, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget to enter the code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And if you guys sign up, then uh, hopefully I can help you guys win some money, and then I will feel good about myself. So it's a win-win. Win, too, because DraftKings wins. Forgot about them. Uh, it's like that episode of The Office. That's going to do it for today. As always, if you guys have any questions, any comments, you can leave them in the comment section of the post for today's show at thednvr.com and I'll get to those tomorrow when I'm back with another edition of the DNVR Buffs podcast. Thanks as always for listening and I will catch you tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in it go You know I'm acting bad Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway My Colorado sway See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever?
your Bible. Crank back, blindside, flatline, no revival. Get them thoughts, get them boss, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a boss with my Colorado swag.